Hey guys, welcome to What We Do, a podcast about jobs. So basically, I've always been fascinated by just how many jobs exist in this world and how little I actually know about them. Furthermore, it definitely seems like our own backgrounds and upbringings tend to determine and sometimes limit the types of roles that we're exposed to. So in this podcast, I'm going to try and uncover all of the many interesting jobs that exist out there. Each episode, I'll talk to someone about their role, how they got there, and dive into their relationship with work. I'm hoping that through these episodes, we can get inspired, think about our own careers, and maybe even dare ourselves to try something new. So for my very first episode, I wanted to talk to someone whose job I have always found fascinating, my friend Jen Wolf. Jen is a producer of unscripted television shows, and what's really cool about Jen's work is that you truly see it out in the world. She's produced shows like House Hunters International, Hotel Impossible, and most recently, Pillow Talk the Other Way, coming out on TLC and Food Network's Worst Cooks in America. I'm super, super excited to talk to her. I would like to say that we conducted this interview on Zoom, so bear with me on the audio. It is far from perfect. I'm definitely, definitely learning a lot, but I think we covered some really, really interesting terrain, and I'm really excited to dive in. It's going to be most weird to do an interview with you, I have to be honest. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm so happy to be doing this with you, not only because I think you have a very interesting career in, what would you call it your career? Uh, so it's, I mean, unscripted television is what we call it. Reality right. television is what people, normal people call it. Every, right, right, everybody right. calls it. But um, specifically, I'm more in like the lifestyle genre, so like cooking, travel, whatever, but unscripted, unscripted television. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, Because I think what's funny when you think about your friends' jobs, like, I don't really understand what any of my friends do. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Like, I I think years, though, I I sort of understand more just because I'm like, okay, she's making TV. Totally. Yeah, I Um, think more than other people, I have, like, a pretty specific job that I do. It doesn't tend to change when I'm doing different projects, you know? For the most part, obviously. Right. Um, okay, cool. So let's just start off. Like, how would you describe your job for the people? And how, like, how, when you're telling a new person what you do, what do you tell them? So I'm a reality television producer, mm-hmm. which means that I handle, in unscripted television, in reality television, a producer handles a lot more than just logistics. We would also handle what we consider to be the creative side of things. So that can be everything from working with cast, conducting interviews, writing shoot outlines, depending on if you're in the pre-production, field production or post-production part of the industry. That could be, you know, a lot of heavy voiceover writing. Like there's a, a, a large scale to it. I mostly do field production, which means I'm on sets or, you know, because we don't really have sets, it's kind of just the real world. I'm traveling to people's homes or restaurants or wherever and um, directing cameras and working with people. It's a lot of people and relationships and, you know, kind of figuring out what makes, what makes someone interesting, what makes their story interesting. And then either, you know, um, putting them in an environment where we're going to get to see that or kind of recreating stories um, to help sort of tell the story we're trying to portray mm-hmm. that's like and a very vague no that's, that's a perfect perfect description um what do you think so I feel like 
since we work together as co-presidents of our senior high school class <laughs> or of all of high school, I feel like I know you sort of as a worker. Right. Like, obviously, like, I don't know you now, like, 12 years later or however long it's been, 10 years right. how long it's been. But, like, I feel like when we were working together, like, you were much more good about like, just getting things done and yep. being very action-oriented. But, like, what do you think makes for a good unscripted television producer and like why you're obviously doing really well and like you look at your linkedin and you've produced like tons and tons of shows but what do you think has been like sort of the key to your success see i think what makes you successful quite honestly and this is not the sexy answer is relationships and um staying in touch because 99.9 percent .9 of the time you're going to get a job because of word of mouth and someone who knows you so truth be told a lot of people succeed in this business and aren't necessarily the best producers or directors or whatever it is that they do within the industry but they're just the best networkers or they're the most fun people to work with like i genuinely believe you know, it's such a people-oriented business and that doesn't just go for dealing with cast or talent, that also goes with dealing with crew. So, you know, being able to, being the person on set who's gonna A, keep a cool head and keep a smile, but also be someone who's fun to grab a beer with at the end of the day, because mm -hmm. we're shooting sometimes for 12, 14, I mean, I've had like 21 hour days and you just, you wanna be, you wanna be around people you like, you know? Um, but also like for like the more academic answer, Obviously, like we are producers or people who have to get things done. We have to just, sometimes you have to scale back your sort of like creative dreams and just be like, okay, it would be really cool if we could have them jump out of a helicopter, but we're never going to get, you know, insurance to do that. So whatever, we're going with, you know, a drone shot or something like, right. you know, so that's kind of, I think it's a combination. What I love about this job, as opposed to, for example, if I did film or what would be considered scripted, um, is that producers tend to be a bit more logistics focused, but I can also be like, like I don't have to typically handle money unless I'm the person that's like, listen, we need a thousand dollars so I can do this, you know? Right, so right, it, you right. can still be kind of a dreamer. Can yeah. you tell, talk a little bit about freelancing and what you like about it and what maybe are some of the things to consider if somebody wanted to work in freelance? Totally, yeah. Um, so it's like such a love-hate relationship freelancing. It is so, much for me in so many ways and then there are things about like growing up and becoming an adult that make it really hard obviously mm -hmm. or maybe not obviously but what I love about it is I've always been a project-oriented person which I feel like you know about me like I love to work hard and then I like to relax <laughs> and that's like there's only so many industries that you can do that in and television tends to be one of those things where you will kill yourself for months and then you'll just be off you'll be unemployed um, which scares a lot of people and it took a while to get used to, but when, when you can make it work for you and your schedule, it is unbelievable. It's almost like being a small business owner and making your own hours. Although when you are on a project, you don't make your own hours. <laughs> um, so I love that. If, if anyone was ever to consider becoming a freelancer, there's a few things I always tell them depending on, I mean, really whatever age you are, figure out your health insurance. If you're under 30, I always recommend Oscar because it's, you know, if, if you don't have any pre-existing conditions or you don't have any prescriptions, it tends to be really, really cheap. And for me, it's like low overhead and just making sure that, God forbid, I ever have to go to the hospital, I'd be okay. I also always think- Wait, that so is health insurance, does this health insurance work for anything? If you don't have any prescriptions, if you don't have any 
What is a good thing? Oh, oh, you literally, so here, that's a good point though. Like your health insurance will be garbage. Your bet, you don't have benefits. So there's yeah. no such thing as paid time off. So every time you're trying to, and, and here's, you know, your busy season, my best time of year to take vacation is usually in like February. Yeah. And nobody wants to go in February. The thing is when the weather's nice, it's easy to shoot. You're not going to get rained out or snowed out. There's no travel restrictions or, you know, so it, it like turns your life upside down a little bit, but at the same time, if you're someone who isn't, you know, completely obsessed with having a traditional lifestyle, I find it to be like the best. If, if somebody were interested in getting involved in unscripted television show producing and was in like college, what would you tell them to either study or do? You literally don't have to study anything. I would recommend studying what you want to do and what you're interested in. Honestly, you don't even have to go to college to do this. Most, like, not most, most people have gone to college, but I know plenty of people who have not, particularly for, like, the skilled trades, like, you know, mm -hmm. operating a camera, stuff like that. Just, I mean, if, maybe if you're going to get into camera work, try photography, but that could be, like, an elective. I wouldn't say, like, for me personally, I'm actually extremely glad that I fell into this because I think had I gone to film school, I would have been burnt out by the time I was graduating, which is kind of a crazy thing to say because film school is what, like two to four years. And meanwhile, my career has been 10 years. You right. know what I mean? But um, I would say, you know, if, cause I think it's helpful when people are interesting and conversational and personable. And I think that can come from anything that can come from being a history major. It's just like, sometimes like, you know, the best producers are people who are just funny and fun and like easy to be around and, you know, stuff like mm -hmm. that. So I would say it certainly helps if you're a good writer, if you understand, you know, what makes a good shot. But that being said, like, I would say do, I think people end up in this career if they're supposed to and they're, you know, you got to be able to hustle. That's for right. sure. How, how do you end up here? Like you, you were a journalism major, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Which I feel like is what a lot of people do and they just like like writing but don't know what they want to do. <laughs> Which is a great thing. It, but like how, how did you end up in this world? Because it's sort of a, and it's not just unscripted TV, it's like specific like home and kitchen. And, I mean, that's what you said, lifestyle. But like how, yeah, how right. did you get here? Um, so I actually have like a very specific path that I kind of like fell into, but I went to school in D.C., and Discovery Communications, which has Discovery Channel and Animal Planet and TLC, it, it well, I mean, it's not necessarily headquartered there anymore, but it used to be headquartered in Maryland in Silver Spring, which is like a 20 minute commute outside of DC. And I was living there at the time and I'd actually interned for Discovery in college. And then I got a job with them the summer after my senior year and sort of, I mean, I guess I could say fell into it. Like I sort of lucked into the internship and then realized I loved reality television. And I thought it was a really fun place to be. And then honestly spent like every single day after I graduated college applying to different jobs to try to get into Discovery because I just felt like that was my foot in the door. Right. And then spent a year at Discovery and really didn't like the corporate lifestyle and had a friend who actually, who's like a best friend of mine now, but she's a couple years older than us. And she had gone the freelance route when I went the network side. It's kind of like in advertising, you know, mm -hmm. if you were with an agency or with a client. But, um, and basically she always wanted to have like a, an in at a network and I always wanted to freelance and we just stayed in touch. And then 
one day it got to the point where she needed an associate producer and I was just willing to jump ship for any freelance job because I felt like my window was closed. I mean, it's funny to say because I was 23, but it felt like at the time it was now or never. And she got me a job. It was only supposed to be like a four week long job, I think. Or maybe it was, no, I think it was like three months. Um, and it was like $1,000 a week. And we were commuting to New Jersey to do this home makeover show. And it, it just worked out. Like from there, I made some connections. And honestly, I just, you know, I was working with the, the guys I met on that show up until like October of last year on and off. But mm -hmm. I had like a, you know, so it's one of those things where just so relationship focused. And the funny thing is, is about that same that same friend was my like boss at an internship I had in college. And now she's like one of my best mm -hmm. friends. Cause you know, it's like yeah. a couple years older. How do you pick people for reality TV? Like, what are you looking for? There's a whole casting process and casting teams. I mean, I've, I've gotten to, you know, cast quite a bit in my career, but at the same time, like for, for, a, you know, a major show, you'd have a casting director, casting producers and so on. But it varies based on the show. I mean, sometimes I, I feel like years ago, it used to be like the crazier, the better. And I do think we're turning around to wanting people who are more relatable and realistic. Cause I do think, you know, reality television has been around for so long now that people no longer want what like used to be considered this like fishbowl reality where you're just like watching someone. Cause you're like, Holy shit, they're insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? And obviously those shows will always persevere, but at the same time, I do think people are coming around to like sort of wanting to see people that they feel like are like them. Um, um, okay, I, this is like totally not linear, but like what does it feel like to be a woman on set? Does that are there a lot of women in unscripted television production? And what does that mean? Beyond I think whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really funny there's actually a lot of women and I would say like so a lot of times females are producers and men tend to be crew and by crew I mean like cameramen audio guys or audio people um you know lighting that sort of thing um I would say production management which tends to be more logistics heavy is a bit mixed mm -hmm. and obviously there's male producers there's female audio like and it's always really cool when you meet like a female shooter, you always kind of want to like help lift them up. Um, so I think for me, it's not like, like it's uncommon that I work with a lot of male producers, though I will say I often work for male showrunners, which is sort of like, you know, the, the head, the highest level position I can get. So it's sort of like, huh, that's a little bit curious. If there's like very few men that I know at my level, then how do they all become showrunners, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, but for the most part, I feel like I've had a really, I've been really fortunate. I've worked with a lot of really good people. Um, I think if you were to interview a female assistant camera or camera operator, you would get a very different answer. I think to become a female, what we call DP or director of photography, which is like the person who handles all of the lighting and camera operators, I think it's probably much more difficult. Particularly, I cannot imagine being an audio tech, you know, and being female just because it like, those jobs are so physical and I'm not taking anything away from women. Obviously, you know, I, I'm a feminist and I would love to see more women on set, but at the same time, like I find my job to be physical when I'm sometimes standing for like 16 plus hours a day and I don't have a bag of, you know, hot metal 
that weighs a bunch <laughs> on my stomach, you know, that's yeah. just like pulling on my back. But, um, um, okay. A few more questions. This is so good. Okay. One is like, what, what do you want to do in five years? Like, what do you, do you think that you're going to, you're, you're working up to showrunner and then mm-hmm. that's the next well, That's sorry. No, don't be sorry. <laughs> it's a tough question. Cause it's like something that you ask yourself a lot. Like, I mean, obviously you've taken a different path because you went back to school, but I think one of the tricky things is like, you know, I could do, I could do the same thing for like 20 years. Right. But at the same time, like, obviously I want some upward mobility and the next step for me would be to start supervised producing, um, with the ultimate goal of being a showrunner. But, you know, something I struggle with a lot is like lifestyle wise, there are things about a full-time job that draw me to it. Um, and you know it's just so tough i mean i think like the ultimate goal for a lot of freelancers and producers too is like to create your own show and to sell your own show and then show like show writing something like that is so much so much more right you know totally um so that would obviously be a dream but it feels like a you know it's horrible to say now but now that feels like a pipe dream because now i'm like in the trenches and know what that takes and it's like oh god that's so intimidating but the short answer is i don't know and i guess the maybe more drawn out answer is that if I continue to do this, I think I would still be very happy, but I do, I, I definitely think I need to do a better job of challenging myself to work on my own creative projects on the side, because as much as I love working on other people's shows, you know, there's this, and I think this has got to be the case for any, like, as I mentioned, like freelancer or small business owner, there's this part of you that like always goes back to wanting to have your own thing and make your own thing and be creative in your own way. And like, it's just that, that, that part of you is like insatiable and you don't want it to ever really be dormant. Cause then you kind of feel like you're just getting, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Complacent, you know? Um, you should, somebody told me to read, the war of art last week and so I like bought it like I was having a really mental breakdown last week hence why I started a podcast um <laughs> but it's really interesting because it talks about have you heard of this book the war of art no it's basically like how to fight or how to get yourself to be more creative and it's supposed to be relevant to anybody who's like a writer or a small business like an entrepreneur or whatever but they basically like the first half of the book is about this thing that he calls resistance and it's this notion that like the only thing that's keeping you from you, your dream is this, this like this enemy that he calls resistance. So it's like, Mm. it's like the thing that's keeping you from just doing it and making it. And he sort of spends the first half of the book, like naming resistance and saying it, like it comes in many forms. It comes in the form of procrastination. It comes in the form of like thinking that you have family obligations. It comes in all these forms. And then he talks about Mm. in the second half of the book, like how you overcome it. And it's sort of, I was reading that and then I was like, I'm just going to, (laughs) no it's 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 real though like it's so funny because you talk to people who are like writing a book on the side or i don't know whatever pick pick your vice you know but at the same time it's like i have show pitch ideas that i've like literally shot and just have not put into an editing software to cut down and you're like there's there's so much time (laughs) you know to do these things but and I think there's also like you learn these rules and I think this is the case of any industry but particularly with reality television like there's it can be very formulaic and particularly depending on like the genre you'll hear in food like you can only do food if you've done food before and you're like well how do people get into food then you know what I mean like right right um, right but 
the interesting thing is like the more you work in a specific genre the more you hear like you can never do this don't right. do that but then you also will get kind of like conflicting feedback eventually people get sick of that same story and they want to hear something different and i think it's easy to be intimidated and be like before you even get going think like oh well, this is just going to fail because i'm breaking the rules you know what right. i mean or like i'm but again i think sometimes we have to even you know first of all we should try obviously, and see where it gets us and get feedback. But I think also it's important, obviously, to, to challenge kind of like the structure so that you get to see and make something different. Right. Yeah. And I think that's probably true. I, I so coming out of business school and trying to do things, a diff, get into different roles, I found it much harder than I thought. Like I, everyone's like, well, we want someone who already has product management experience. And you're like, well, mm. I thought that was the point of fucking business school. Like, I thought you were supposed <laughs> to have a clear pivot after this. And they're like, oh, right. no, that's not true. Um, which right. is super interesting. And it's like, also, I think as you hit like your 30s, you probably, I think people are starting to specialize in things whether they want to or not. And it's a weird totally. time in life where before in your early 20s, it's like, you can just do everything. And like, you, you're, totally. you're sort of like not good enough at anything that you can do anything. It's funny um, too, because, you know, like, obviously we have a lot of friends who are building, like, careers. I mean, not that we don't have careers, but, like, there was a point where I was, like, people were going back and getting their master's, and I had this moment where I was, like, am I not, like, am I not building on something? Am I just, like, mate, like, you know, because I can be a little bit, I think part of what satisfies me so much and I find really fulfilling about my career is there's this short-term tangible result at the end of every project I can actually turn on the television and see something and that's what one of the things I hated about my corporate job I felt like nothing ever actually came of it like strategy meetings do not fulfill me I I want to take that information and go execute it and it's like a running joke that a lot of times you know producers will get frustrated if they have to sit in on like a, like a brainstorm call because we're like okay but we have to actually make this happen you know what I mean right, but right. that's that being said the caveat is sort of like sometimes you see people who are like building towards careers as like professors or lawyers and you're like oh, oh am I gonna like regret this if you you know what I mean like am I gonna wake up midway through my career and think like did I just pick the short-term you know reward and and obviously you know for every day that I feel that way, there's like, you know, five other days that I'm just like so grateful to be doing something I love, but it's, I don't know any freelancer who doesn't have like existential crises all the time. Yeah. But <laughs> it's know? funny to me that you think that you, that other people are building careers. Cause to me, out of all of our friends, maybe like you and Rachel have built like a expertise and a career. And like, uh, I just feel like I, <laughs> Not that this is relevant to anybody else. <laughs> like, if I need, like, you, like, when somebody has a need, like, I need an uh, unscripted television show producer who, like, they, you have a, a skill. And, right. like, well, I appreciate you saying that. Like, it's just like, I, I wonder what people are like, I need a, like, a, somebody who can just sort of, like, figure something nebulous out and put it in a deck. It's like, I need to do that. Um, that's my specialty, but it's, it's, I think everyone feels like either they've gone down a route because they liked it and then they're so far down that they're like, did I go, should I have gone down a route? Or then other people are like, I never went down a route and now I'm like a whole lot of nothing. Um, okay. A few more questions and then we're done. Um, <laughs> 
One, uh, what would you tell your 21-year-old self fresh out of GW? Or, or like, I thought it was interesting when you said you were 23 and you felt like all these doors were closing. Like, what would you tell yourself then? It's so funny because, like, actually, you know what? I think I'm proud of my then self, my, like, my, like, 23-year-old self because I think that it felt so ballsy at the time but it felt so right. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like literally I went from, I don't even remember how much notice I gave. I think I must've given at least two weeks, but I remember like I was starting a job on March 3rd and I started a lease in Brooklyn on March 1st. And at the time I'd been living with my parents for like six months, trying to save up just enough money to get an apartment in New York. And you know, I, I got a place right out of college, so I didn't have any money. Like it was like paycheck to paycheck, like, it sounds and I just remember like being elated like I was a different person I was so happy and I was very very unhappy working like I just I just I've always been someone who wants to feel like I'm leaving my mark I think anything I ever do I'll always have to feel like very entrenched in like how it gets made and feel like you know I think I'd always prefer like a smaller pond and for me that's why projects are really helpful because it's like I if a show is a hot mess, but I feel like if I walked away, it would fall apart. Like I have this sickness. And I think that's something a lot of producers say, like they are just sick in the head because they want to be so crucial to something. Mm -hmm. And it feels so good to be like, I made this. It's the same. It's like so similar to event planning. And I don't know how else to compare it, but it's like, I I think, yeah, I would just kind of cheer my 23 year old self on my 21 year old self had no idea what was going on. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to not have a clue. And I think in a way I'm so grateful that I, my first job out of college was not because I love working and I could have loved that job. And I'm so glad I didn't. And I think there was a number of circumstances that played into it. But like, if anything, I look back and I'm like, Oh my God, had I loved that first job I got, or even just loved the people and been okay with, you know, like, I'm just so glad that I was pushed in a way like to figure it out and just take a chance. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm glad because a lot of people told me not to do it. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of people told me not to do it. And I was just like, you know what? I got to try. Like, because had I tried doing it like at 28, I think I would have been way too scared. Totally. Like I'm already scared to like, it's, it's scary now. Like once you're rooted in an industry, you know, you have connections. Like for me to move cities, my whole, like it's, it's not as simple. I mean, I could probably just get a job at a company or something, but like my whole network is in New York now. And right. I'm lucky because New York is a huge, amazing city. But like, if I, even if I wanted to go to LA, like it would be, you know, the whole emails, coffees, drinks, yeah, that, that whole thing, which look, I make it sound like I have to do that anyways. But like at the same time, it's really nice when you're doing that with people who have heard your name before. You yeah. Know? And like, I think networking doesn't have to feel like networking when it's like, you're just friends with these people and you're just staying totally. in touch with them because you like them. And it's like just the normal thing to do. Totally. And when you have to be like, Hey, like, could we have coffee? Like, just exactly. Like a total fucking asshole. Or when you like desperately need a job versus when you're just right. like doing a good job, kind of like, you know, yeah. I mean, managing that's like relationships. Where I'm at now. Yeah. And it's like, there's an underlying level of panic to everything I do at the moment, you know, that makes it less fun, which I'm trying to get rid of that feeling of panic because I shouldn't be panicked, but it's like, it's no, it's, yeah, you know, also I always was told and I'm somehow here, but like, you never want to be looking for a job when you really need one. And right, right. that is 
you know, it makes everything feel more scary. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. I think this is so, so good and so helpful. And I feel like I'll just, I don't even know how to edit this. Yeah. It's going to be a lot to cut out. <laughs> but I think podcasts can be longish. Like they can be like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm cut, trim all the this. fat. Don't leave any of the boring stuff in. Yeah. And that's it. Thanks, Jen, for being a rock star guinea pig. And thank you, the listener, for not only tuning in, but if you've made it this far, for actually completing the first episode of What We Do. I'm super, super excited by this endeavor and for some of the interviews I have coming up. If you do have a job that you'd love to talk about, or if someone else comes to mind, slide into my DMs. I never say that. Send me a message. Um, and it's on Instagram or whatever, LinkedIn, or feel free to text me if you have my number. But that's it for now. See you next time. Bye.